Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Well, Jim, thanks for the introduction as always, and I've got another great voice in golf, probably one of the biggest uh, voices when it comes to a volume of work, PGA Tour Entertainment's John Swantech. You've heard him on PGA Tour Live. You've heard him so many times over the years on Golf Channel, inside the PGA Tour when that show was on, on Golf Channel as well. This guy has done it all, and he's been at the tour for, get ready, a quarter century. John Swantek, one of the really fun voices, very thoughtful guys uh, on the PGA Tour as a broadcaster and a producer. He's from New York, has great stories, a diehard New York Knicks fan. So we get into his career, uh, obviously the Players' Championship. He's a member there, so i got to ask him what are his favorite memories playing Sawgrass. Come on, don't we all want to be a member at TPC Sawgrass? What a cool opportunity for John. I actually met him. I'll tell you briefly, I met him at Torrey Pines. I was having, we saw each other briefly on the course. We had emailed each other, said, hey, let's meet in person. So we saw him off of the seventh hole. Of course, that famous seventh hole where Tiger Woods beat Rocco Mediate uh, in their Monday playoff. Had a, a quick conversation there. He said, hey, Garrett, I know you work for New Zealand Golf Magazine at the time. Where's your accent? I don't hear a, a Kiwi accent. So that was funny. Just a brief exchange there. And then lo and behold, what, four hours later, I'm having dinner. I'm getting seated for dinner in the gas lamp district in San Diego and I'm going to a Mexican restaurant with my friend Michael Odino and his wife Julie. And we get sat next to, what are the odds, uh, John Swantek and his producer, Jackie, and then uh, Ned Michaels, a good friend of mine, also a broadcaster. So what were the odds? I said, I swear, John, I'm not stalking you today. So it was just a fun way to, to meet John Swantek there at Torrey Pines, one of my favorite events, Farmers Insurance Open. We get into that, uh, talk about the West Coast Swing, what are his favorite events. So before we get to that, um, Elixir Golf Ball, check that out. It's from Encore Golf, EncoreGolf.com. It is a $29.99 golf ball great price point if you're sick of losing a four dollar golf ball out in the trees and you're playing golf this is a good one you can get 10 percent off by using my promo code b clubhouse the letter b is in bravo clubhouse great golf ball it's a two-time golf digest hot list gold winner check it out encore golf at encore golf on all over social media huge presence with gary player and Travis Fulton, so many others. Ezekiel Elliott is a part of the business as well. Uh, great company. Check out the Elixir Golf Ball from Encore Golf. And let's get to it. John Swantek here on Beyond the Clubhouse. And just for timing's sake, this was an interview that happened in December right before Christmas. So you're going to hear, obviously, we're looking ahead to 2011. Um, at the time, Tiger Woods had not had his injury. But still, awesome interview here. Hope you enjoy it here with John Swantek on Beyond the Clubhouse. Well, I am lucky to be joined by my next guest, John Swantek. You guys hear him all the time on PGA Tour Live. He is, of course, a broadcaster, producer for PGA Tour Entertainment. He's been there for, gosh, it seems like a couple decades now, coming from New York. He's a New Yorker at heart. John, what is going on? How are you, man? You know, it's, it's great to be with you, Garrett. Um, this is a funny story. I got an email yesterday from the tour. I'm up in New York visiting uh, some family. 
congratulating me on my 25 years with the tour. I had no idea. I knew it was sometime in December, and I knew it was around 25 years ago. I knew I was coming up on same anniversary, but as we record this on Friday, it was uh, actually yesterday, my 25th anniversary with the tour. How about that? I love that you bring that up because it's obviously a milestone in your career. And our listeners here that are listening, they hear you all the time on PGA Tour Live. But what is a good understanding of your background? Because I know you're coming from sports radio in New York. And I know you saw that associate producer opening down in Florida that drew you here 25 years ago. So, so what was kind of a, how would you give a snapshot to the audience? That's where it all started 25 years ago. And I started as an associate producer and a writer and feature producer, field production work, all that. Um, I had a little bit of a background in broadcasting. I worked in local TV, news, and sports up here. So it was always kind of in my blood. And as my role and responsibilities with the tour began to evolve, there was uh, a chance to do some voiceover work. And um, I hosted Inside the PGA Tour for a bunch of years, probably about 15 up until last year. And they've kind of gone in a different direction with that program, which is now known as The Cut. And then when um, the digital space began expanding, that created a whole new world for me. And it was a it was a wonderful opportunity to kind of dip my toe in at that time. And it has just blown up, as you know, and there's so much work for everyone at PGA Tour Entertainment. And I've been really lucky to be kind of right in the middle of it all. You have. And as we sit here looking ahead to 2021, of course, the season has start, uh, started September 26th in Napa. Uh, but as we look to the calendar year 2021, are, are there any particular things that our fans or golf fans out there can really look forward to with PGA Tour Live looking ahead here? Well, we'll get it cranked up as soon as they come to the mainland. We have not done the Hawaii events yet, although I, I put my hand up for those every year. It's yet to materialize. But uh, for now, we start with the American Express, which is about the third week in January. And um, Torrey Pines at the Farmers Insurance Open is one of the early ones, and there's always a lot of buzz surrounding that one, Garrett, as you know, because Tiger usually plays there. We're assuming he's going to as well. So that's uh, one of the early ones on the schedule that we always get cranked up for. Definitely. Well, you talk about the early schedule. I'm not trying to ask you to pick a favorite kid here, but I am going to ask you, what is your favorite West Coast swing event? I know you've covered so many over the years. I've seen you at Torrey. I've seen you at Pebble. I mean, you, you've really extensively covered them, but what really sticks out to you? I love uh, Torrey Pines. I really do. I mean, Pebble is iconoclastic and it stands on its own. It's almost a different category altogether. Um, but there's a certain charm about Torrey Pines because it is a municipal venue. And I love the fact that golf nuts line up in the parking lot to play it 50 weeks a year and they get there at four o'clock in the morning and they pay their 45 bucks if they're San Diego residents and they play it. And I think it's just wonderful. And I think it gives fans a unique perspective and a distinctive appreciation for the event when they come out to watch these guys every year because they played it so often and it's just gorgeous that that whole run down the coast from pebble to tory pines to riviera as you know is phenomenal but i love the public golf aspect of tory yes well and i love you mentioned that i was lucky i volunteered my first ever tournament i went to was 2008 at tory pines that us open i drove down from sacramento california 500 miles south, volunteered the whole week, 
everybody in my pro shop, I was working at a golf course at the time, said, you are stupid to spend 150 bucks just to get your volunteer jacket and all that stuff. You're spending money to volunteer. How dare you? What a dumb decision to be gone for a week. And after Rocco and Tiger gave what I think is one of probably the most exciting major we've seen. Yes, Tiger winning 2019 Masters was phenomenal. But mm. the excitement going into a Monday finish at the Master, or excuse me, at the U.S. Open. I mean, we ha it's going back there this year, John. Like, what do you make of Torrey Pines as a U.S. Open venue, the history we've seen there? Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. I, I can't believe that was your first event that you covered, by the way. I mean, talk about getting sucked in for a lifetime and, and a career. I mean, there's no way you're going to do anything but cover professional golf after an experience like that, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it always provides um, a wonderful backdrop for memories to be created. And that's one that stands out in, in the minds of so many golf fans um, because at the time, the uh, Tiger was closing in on Jack, and we thought, well, he's going to get there in a hurry. <laughs> and uh, Little did we know, it would be more than a decade until uh, he won again. But uh, I love how the USGA in recent years has started to blend in so many public venues into the U.S. Open Rota, and I hope they continue to do so. Definitely. Well, as we look to 2021, what players are you kind of expecting to kind of jump up and surprise. Maybe they haven't won a PGA Tour event yet. Maybe they only have one title, but you seem to really cover those kind of underdog stories before they happen. You did that with Morikawa mm -hmm. on your podcast very well uh, a few months ago, but what stands out to you right now? Wow, how good is that kid, by the way, too? And as we speak, he's over there trying to win the Race to Dubai title, and uh, Patrick Reed is up near the top of the standings over there as well. There's so many meaningful events around the world, right? We've got 50 tournaments on the PGA Tour calendar right now, including six major championships and the Olympics next summer. And it's hard for these guys to fit the pieces of the puzzle together uh, when, they're, when they're scheduling things. Um, oh gosh, you caught me in off-season mode here, Garrett. I'm trying to think ahead to 2021. Um, I will give you the name of someone who I think is close to winning, and that's Harry Higgs. Um, very likable character. I mean, he's sort of got an it factor. I think he's got a relatability to him that uh, people identify with and can connect with. And he's got a lot of game as well. I mean, these guys that come off the Corn Ferry Tour, they're ready to go. It doesn't always mean they're going to find success and victory at the highest level. But uh, if they keep putting themselves in position to win, as he has done a few times, they're going to break through eventually. Um, that's just the first name that sort of pops in my head if I look for someone to break through and win and, and get their maiden victory. Yeah. I mean, to me, who stands out head and shoulders, in my opinion, Scotty Scheffler, the yep. rookie. I'm uh, Just unbelievable what he did. Who else is in a final group of a major with Dustin Johnson? Now, knowing experience with Dustin Johnson, anybody getting that experience is huge. But then he's also in the, in the grouping with Tiger Woods as defending champion on Sunday at the Masters. And he sees Tiger go 500 those last six holes. He told me at that Masters one-on-one, um, -on -one, he said that that experience he's going to take the rest of his way. That's going to be a huge learning experience to see Tiger in that element. I really like Scotty looking ahead. I'm not putting you on the spot there, but what are your thoughts yeah. on Scotty? Well, I'm with you, and I'm glad you brought his name up. I think uh, consider his body of work last year. I mean, Rookie of the Year honors were between Scotty and, and Victor Hovland, who won in Puerto Rico but didn't have many other high finishes. I still believed last year that the players would place such a premium 
value on winning that Hovland would win Rookie of the Year. But the fact that they didn't and went with Scheffler speaks a lot about their admiration for what he did over the course of the season. I think he had a half dozen uh, top fives or sixes. It's seriously good player and uh, only getting better. And Hovland as well, after winning for a second time, uh, Garrett, just a couple of weeks ago, I think has starting to tighten up the short game after identifying it as a weakness. He got to work diligently on it. Uh, and he obviously has loads of, of potential and game and star power. And the, the future of the game is just so strong and fantastic right now. Yes, there are so many ways I can go with that direction. But I'm going to bring this back to you for a minute, John, and your golf game. We know you play at TPC Sawgrass because you live down in that, those neck of the woods. What's your favorite memory playing golf at Sawgrass? Oh, geez. Um, oh, by the way, it was 38 degrees here today, so I was, it was warm enough to go chip around the house. Uh, I did that for about an hour just to get outside. <laughs> just to get outside. <laughs> I went into my dad's golf bag in the garage, and he's got about nine hybrids in there. I could barely find a gap wedge to chip around the, the outside of the house with. Um, I've played a lot of rounds at Sawgrass through the years. Um, one that stands out, not for any uh, particular scoring feat or any great round per se, it's just the experience of playing with uh, a good friend of mine who was getting married that weekend. So all the folks that were sort of uh, in the wedding party, uh, all the guys anyway, the women were certainly invited. They did not play with us that day. They had more important things to do, uh, but we just had a great round together. There were eight of us out there on the stadium course. And uh, that was about five years ago, but I'll never forget the day. It was a blast. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think about the friendships of golf. That's really what this podcast is mainly about, Beyond the Clubhouse. The friendships we all make through the game, what do you take away from that in your time playing and, of course, your professional life with the PGA Tour? Well, I've been with the tour so long now, they've become like my family. I mean, I've known these people almost half my life. It's hard to imagine when you kind of step back and, uh, and take a, a long lens view of it. Uh, you form strong professional relationships, of course, but you work in such tight circles that you can't help but become personally close with these, these people as well. And there's a, a, a trust factor there to know that you've got each other's back. Um, there's a trust factor to know that you're going to encourage one another. Uh, you're going to be tough with one another. You're going to be critical at times uh, with one another. Uh, but it's all about the enhancement of the product and what we're working together on and what we're striving for. So um, what started out as uh, professional relationships through the years have blended into personal relationships as well with a lot of these folks. And I couldn't be more thankful. Well, every golf fan, if they really understand what you do, you're calling the live golf on PGA Tour Live. I mean, just everybody wants to, to be you and do what you do. What is the most fulfilling part of your job, John? Uh, I love the unpredictability of it. I mean, it's a, it's a live environment. I'm sure, you know, people understand that. Um, they may not know some of the limitations that we deal with when we're presenting the product and the content, but nor do they care. And, and they shouldn't really. It's our job to just make it as entertaining and as informational as, as possible. I love the preparation, Garrett, if I'm being honest with you. I love the research. I love digging in. I love having stuff that's just institutional knowledge. It's stuck in my craw after all these years. I like to have notes in front of me. Uh, I like to have all that ready to go, 
but try to remain instinctive and reactive to what I'm seeing. There's sort of a balance there. Um, be prepared, but don't over-prepare because you've got to be sort of nimble on your toes as well. Um, that's the fun part of the job. I still get a little bit nervous after 25 years, every time the red light goes on, or every time the microphone goes on. And, and that's good. I've always told myself, when you don't get those butterflies anymore, you know, it's probably time to think about doing something else. But I'm not close to that point, I promise you. I still love what I do. And I really enjoy working with all the ex-players who are high caliber analysts that we work with on PGA Tour Live. They're just the best. Yes. And I even think of like Christina Kim, who was there uh, back in the summer and what she contributed there. Mark Carnival. There are so many guys. Um, man, the list goes on, but you are, are blessed to be in that position. Um, I think also about the events that you've covered over the past, in the past. What event stands out to be, I guess, maybe the most memorable call or moment that you've been a part of? When I first went down to Australia for the President's Cup in 2011, that was pretty cool. I had not traveled internationally very much, if at all, for the tour in, in those days. Um, and we produced what's known as the, the world feed, basically. Um, folks in the U.S. pretty much watched the Golf Channel and then, or, or NBC, any of our network partners. And uh, anyone outside the U.S. typically watches the world feed from week to week. And it's 250 countries and territories. It's more than 800 million viewers potentially that are watching. Uh, it's a lot. And it was sort of a big moment in, in my career. This was about uh, a decade ago. Um, and the international team competition lent a different aspect to it. Um, just a different flavor from week to week. 72 holes stroke play golf on the PGA Tour. Um, and seeing just a, a fierce competition and all the goodwill that goes along with it. Um, every couple of years, I've been fortunate to do a bunch of those, but the first one internationally was down in Melbourne in 2011. Uh, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, and of course, Tiger clinching it there, getting yeah. a hug from Nick Watney on that, was it 15th green when he closed out uh, Aaron Baddeley? Well, that moment, I mean, just the smile on Tiger's face was priceless. Nice pull, by the way. Nick Watney, holy smokes. How about you? <laughs> well, hey, if you look, uh, you see Pebble Beach. You see Pebble Beach picture up there. I'm a NorCal guy, Sacramento guy. And okay. as you know, Nick Watney is from Sacramento, one of the few guys. Cameron Champ also stands out. John Wood, who's joining the TV ranks, is yes. a Sacramento guy. So there's not many of us, John. So we, uh, we try to stick close. <laughs> see if I'm right on this. Uh, correct me on my Nick Watney uh, info. This, again, it's just stuff that sticks in your craw through the years. Uh, I believe the only scholarship he was offered was by his uncle, Mike, who was the head coach at Fresno State. Is that right? I do know that, yes. He, I don't know if that was the only one he was offered. One but, of the few, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the few, and that was instrumental having Mike uh, a part of that program already. Um, but, yeah, good good pull there. Man, you yeah. do have so much knowledge. Well, think about all the hundreds of players you've had to be studied up on in the, what, the 25 years you've been there. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. The shot link has become my my third arm. I mean, it is fantastic. I mean, the, the bio information and the current form and everything and the lasers that are operated by all the volunteers out there. I mean, that's those are the bloodlines of the PGA Tour, those folks who are out there volunteering their time every week. But the way it manifests itself for us is a really effective broadcasting tool. And uh, I've become OK sort of navigating uh, the go to tabs during the broadcast. 
Definitely. Well, I think about your other product, uh, Talk of the Tour, your podcast, which you've been going at for, it seems like, oh gosh, I don't know, seven years or somewhere in there. Um, what tends to be your goal, John, when you have a guest on, you have people like Frank Nabilo or Johnny Miller, but then you also have Harry Higgs and these younger up and coming players. So what tends to be your goal with these interviews? Just to get to know them a little better. I mean, you probably feel the same way when you talk to folks every week on, on your podcast, Garrett. I think, um, uh, again, like I was speaking of before, the preparation and the research, that's really fun. I'll learn a lot about a subject before I interview them if it's for the first time. Um, but I think, honestly, the most important interviewing skill is listening. I mean, I think you can become too locked in on where you want to direct the conversation and what you want to say next. And I think simply by listening, you will more intuitively sort of push the conversation down the road and maybe bring something out of these folks. So um, that's really fun. I'd like to get to know them a little bit. And I like to try and ask the questions that I think golf fans would want to ask them if they had the chance. Yes. Well, what you just said about listening reminds me in one of your recent episodes, you said that knowledge talks, but wisdom listens. You have these nuggets that you drop on us at the very end of every podcast. Where do you get these? Uh, so I'll share that with you. If uh, On Twitter, to be perfectly honest with you, there's a few sites that I follow. One is called Everyday Mindfulness. One is called uh, Daily Zen. And one is called Tiny Buddha. There's there's a bunch of them. I, I can get a little crunchy with stuff like that, but I love the sayings and I love the sort of life lessons that I pick up. So I try and find one that's succinct and somewhat relatable maybe to the conversation that we've just had with a certain guest. But yeah, I don't make them up on my own if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't sure. It's a lot of good uh, wisdom and a lot of good nuggets that come from your podcast. Of course, you can follow John on Twitter, as you mentioned Twitter, at Tour. Um you know, I, I just think about what would what would you look forward to most here? I know we've got Tiger Woods still going for the record and PGA Tour wins, but for the calendar 2021, what really stands out to you for a storyline out there? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, Tiger always sort of dominates, you know, the, the forefront of our consciousness, doesn't he? I think um, he's always going to be – relevant, uh, even if he's not at his best. Um, uh, he's always going to be the person that uh, we look to to kind of move the needle a little bit. Uh, so many others stepped into that void where he was really, you know, out of the picture for a few years. And we weren't certain what version of Tiger we were going to get if and when he came back. But um, I'm fascinated to see him work through sort of the back nine, the autumn of his career, if you will. He's about to turn, what, 45 on December 30th, right, of this year? Yeah. Um, I think it takes a lot for him to get himself physically and mentally ready to compete at a level that he has become accustomed to. Uh, that's why it's, it's hard for him to be at his best all the time. But it's also why we should really step back and appreciate his greatness for how often he did it from week to week and from year to year. And when he's able to dig deep, Garrett, and find the touch and find the magic, uh, we're spoiled, even if it doesn't happen nearly as often as he would like. So that's always at the front of my mind whenever a new golf season rolls around. It always starts with Tiger. 
Mm. Two more quick ones for you. I'm thinking about the Players' Championship. Of course, that's going to be really one of the, the first really, really big event of the year. For golf fans that haven't been there yet, John, that haven't been to Sawgrass, what, how would you describe it to them? Well, I hope they can get there next May, by the way. I hope there, are, there will be fans on site at our events. In March, uh, yeah. Or March, right. That's right. Uh, much better championship in March than May, by the way. So it is. Uh, it is exactly as you see it on on TV, I would say. Most people are probably familiar with TPC Sawgrass from watching on TV. I think it is one of the original fan-friendly environments that was created. That was the vision of, of Dean Beeman, who was then the commissioner, and Pete Dye, of course, the, the World Golf Hall of Fame architect who crafted TPC Sawgrass out of Swampland in Northeast Florida. It's just so cool. And you can see so much action uh, if you position yourself properly. There's great viewing lines and there's great vantage points all around the golf course. And, you know, kind of like Torrey Pines for anyone who lives in North Florida and has played it, then the experience becomes even more meaningful. But it's a it's a great test. It's not everyone's cup of tea. And it it might not be for some people for whatever reason and that's fine but i think the players if you were to pull them aside i think they have a deep appreciation for the unique challenge and that's one of the reasons why we've never had uh, a back-to-back winner there through the years i mean everybody's in play out of 144 guys garrett when they hit the sawgrass each march yes and as we look to the very end of the season when we look at the FedEx Cup. I got to put you on the spot. I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley as my pick to win the FedEx Cup when it's all said and done for this year. Who are you thinking? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm trying to think who came close this past September that might be looking for a little uh, redemption. I would, I would love to see Rory make another push for it. He had sort of a a very curious uh, year. And I think it was a strange one for everybody because the season was interrupted for, for 91 days because he was hot as a pistol around the country and then just kind of cooled off during that downtime and never really got to the level that he was at uh, prior to that. But proven champion, great champion, past FedEx Cup winner as well. Uh, it's hard to pick against Justin Thomas, it, Garrett, for anything. I mean, for anything because the – he has no perceptible weaknesses in his game. None. I mean, no holes. And that's the kind of game that travels well. That's the kind of game that adapts to any sort of golf course or any conditions. And that's the kind of game that holds up over 50 weeks and puts you in contention to win a season-long prize. Great point, JT. Always a good pick any week, any major. <laughs> um, straight up. But hey, John Swantech, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Tour. John, really been a blast uh, getting to know you more here. Garrett, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we could do this. Uh, happy holidays to you and your gang there outside of D.C. All right, my thanks to John Swantech for joining me here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, there will be all kinds of fun little videos coming out this week on Instagram at Garrett Johnson Golf and at Beyond the Clubhouse Podcast. Same thing with Twitter at Johnston Garrett as well as at Beyond Clubhouse. You can follow John. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's got a really good podcast, as we discussed, at JSwan PGA Tour. Looking forward to the next one. Hope you had a good one here, and we'll talk to you soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.